Job chapter 1, verse 6. One day the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord, and the accuser, Satan, came with them. Where have you come from, the Lord asked Satan. And Satan answered the Lord, I have been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. And then the Lord asked Satan a question. He said, have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity and fears God and stays away from evil. And Satan replied, saying, Yes, but Job has a good reason to fear God. You have always put a wall around him. You have protected him. You have protected his property. No wonder Job is a good man. He has nothing to fear for because the hand of God is on his life. You have made him prosper in everything that he does. Look how rich he is. But you reach out and take away everything he has. You take away that protection. And I'm telling you right now, Job will curse you to your face. God looks at him, perhaps with a smirk on his face, and he says, all right, I'll tell you what. You can test him. Do whatever you want to his possessions, but you do not harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. Think about the boldness of Satan standing in the grandeur of God looking for a victim looking for someone to hurt and to destroy, looking for someone to torment and humiliate, someone to steal from and someone to kill. But God interjects in the conversation and says, what about Job? Have you considered him? This is an interesting point in the text because Satan did not bring Job up. God did. And why would God offer someone to the attacks of Satan? Especially someone like Job who lived right. He was blameless. The finest man in the earth according to God's own word. Righteous and of complete integrity, character, a prosperous man. There does not seem to be any reason that a man like Job should be subjected to the trials and torments he lives through after this conversation. Job didn't do anything wrong. He was living his life the only way he knew how, faithfully. Scripture goes on and and it tells a story that one day Job's sons and daughters were feasting at their oldest brother's house and a messenger arrived at Job's home with news that your oxen were plowing and the donkeys were feeding beside them when all of a sudden these raiders came in and they, they destroyed everything. They stole all the animals and killed all the farmhands And I'm the only servant that survived and the only servant that escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, the Scripture says, another messenger arrived with this news. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and it's burned up your sheep and all the shepherds with it. And I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. And while he was still talking, a third messenger arrives With this news, the three bands of the Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and killed your servants. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. And for a fourth time, while Job, who is this good man, is getting the most tragic, heartbreaking, threatening news of his life, a fourth messenger arrives. And he said, your sons and your daughters were feasting at their oldest brother's house. 
when all of a sudden the wind came and it blew against all four corners of the home. It collapsed and all of your children are dead. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. And Job stood up, tore his robe in grief, the scripture says, shaved his head and fell to the ground. A normal reaction in anybody's life to those four events taking place would be pure and utter chaos within their emotions, within their mind, within their heart. That's the moment that it would kill them because everything else is gone. That's the moment that they would turn around and curse God and say, how can you do this? I have been an upright man. I have honored you. I have served you. I have lived right. But notice what Job did. Job said, I came naked from my mother's womb and I will return when I leave this world. But the Lord has given and the Lord has taken. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all of this, the scripture says, Job did not sin by blaming God. He didn't respond in anger. He did not respond with contempt and malice in his heart. He didn't respond with hatred. He didn't shake his fist at the sky and curse God. But he fell to his knees and said, Blessed be the name of the Lord who has given and who has taken. His life is destroyed. Everything is gone from him. Everything he's worked for. And as if that was not enough, Satan returns again to God. And the scripture says, One day the members of the heavenly court came again to present themselves before the Lord, and the accuser, Satan, came with them. Where have you come from, the Lord asked Satan. Satan answered, Again, I have been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. The Lord asked Satan, Have you noticed my servant Job? Have you considered him again? He is the finest man in all the earth, blameless, complete integrity, fears God, shuns evil, and maintained his integrity, even though you urged me to harm him without cause. And Satan replied to the Lord and said, Skin for skin, a man will give up everything he has to save his own life. But you reach out, God, and you take away his health, and I'm telling you, this good man that you're talking about will curse you to your face. All you have to do is let me do it. God says, all right, I'll tell you what, I'm going to let you do this. Do with him as you please, but spare his life. I'll let you do whatever you want, just don't kill him. So Satan left the Lord's presence, and he struck Job with terrible boils from the crown of his head to the soles of his feet, and Job scraped his skin with a piece of broken pottery as he sat among the ashes. If that's not bad enough to this point, he lost his home, his children, his money, his animals, his wealth, his reputation. If that was not enough, his health is now destroyed. And then his wife walks in. And she says, Job, she looks at him with contempt. She says, are you really still trying to maintain your integrity? Why don't you just curse God and die? Why don't you do a favor and give it all up? Because God obviously hates you. God has obviously denied you. He has obviously walked out of your life. You should just curse Him and die. And Job looks at that woman and he says, you talk like a foolish woman. 
Should we accept only the good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? And in all of this, Job did nothing and said nothing wrong. He had every reason to walk away. He lost everything. His children, money, possessions, business, reputation, his marriage. His life was in shambles. Everything in ruin. His heart broken. His health destroyed. Wife mocked him, left. Everything he had worked for, everything that was familiar was gone. But not one time will you find Job spout off and curse God. Not one time does he sacrifice his character. Not one time does he sacrifice his integrity. Do you want to know this morning why Job was a blessed man? Do you want to know why Job had the hand of God on his life? Because in the worst moment of his life, he decided, no matter what happens to me, no matter what's happening around me, blessed be the name of the Lord. He is great and greatly to be praised. He has given and He has taken. He is faithful. He is faithful. And I wonder today what kind of shift would take place in our own lives if when tragedy strikes, instead of immediately resorting to our human nature and what our emotions tell us and what our mind tells us, we follow Job's example. The doctor said you have cancer. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The bank's foreclosing on the house. God, you're so good. I don't understand it, but you're going to make a way where there seems to be no way. The boss calls you in the office and says you're fired. Lord, I trust in you. Your kids are addicted to drugs and alcohol. God, you're great. You are able to save and deliver. Somebody hear me this morning. If you don't get anything else out of what I preach today, I want you to get this. God's goodness is not predicated on my circumstance. I'm going to say it again for the people in the cheap seats. God's goodness is not predicated on my circumstance. He's the God of the good times and the bad times. He's the God on the mountain and the valley. He's the God of the day and the night. He is the God when I have money and when I'm broke. He's the God uh, in my triumph and in my tribulation. I may be broken but He is never broken. I may be weak, but He is strong always. He is. I've witnessed it. I've witnessed it in my own life. And I'm not going to go into detail here, but I'll share with you some of my experience. I was 18 years old on top of the world. And um, life was great. Can I get some water, please? Life was great. I had just graduated high school. I was traveling. I had a lot of friends. I was able to do some really cool stuff. I was working for the church for my dad who was pastoring. I had plans. I had dreams, goals, and aspiration. Up until that point, my entire life, and even to this moment now, I have always felt the call to pastor, to follow in my father's footsteps and in both of my grandfather's footsteps. And I'm blessed today with a rich apostolic heritage of ministry. And the plan was always that I would succeed my father just as he succeeded my grandfather. That was the plan. That is what my life was built towards. That was my purpose. That's why I was put on this earth. I was 18. I just graduated. So naturally I needed to go to school. And I was supposed to be going to Indiana Bible College that fall. 
Uh, since I just graduated in June, I was excited to go, to meet new friends, create new opportunities. But mainly, I was excited because my wife was going to be there, and I knew that. And so that's really why I wanted to go. I didn't care about the school, but I knew she was going to be there, in which we just celebrated six months of marriage yesterday. And it's been fun. She's the best. But as the time got closer and closer for me to leave for school, when it was time for me to leave my home in Heath, Ohio, and move to Indianapolis, Indiana, I just couldn't come to terms with leaving. Something was off. It didn't feel right. I didn't want to leave home. And it wasn't just this thing where, oh, I've never been out of small town Ohio. No, I was blessed to be pretty well-traveled at that point. Being gone for periods of time wasn't an issue for me. I always missed home, but it didn't stop me from being on the go. So I talked to my dad, my pastor, and I explained how I felt. And we came to the decision that I would delay going to school one year. So I stayed home. I worked. I did church. I lived the wonderful life I was privileged with. And up until that point, I had never really experienced trauma. Of course, there were the natural hurts and pain and hard time that comes with life. That's normal. It happens to all of us. But my perfect world changed in the blink of an eye on Monday, October the 10th. It was a beautiful, sunny, somewhat abnormally fall day in Heath, Ohio. My dad, had spent, uh, my dad and I had spent the better part of that morning uh, working in our yard, building winterizing equipment, getting everything ready for the winter. Because you got to see, Ohio fall goes from being really great to pretty much being the Arctic in the wintertime. It goes from being about 65 every day to negative 65 every day. And so we were working, trying to get everything ready for the temperature change, for the season change. And I loved it. I loved working on that kind of stuff with my dad. And at lunchtime, my mom, she dropped off some food for us to eat. Uh, my brother-in-law's favorite, it was Burger King that day. And so we walked inside, we ate our food, and dad finished before I did, so he told me, go ahead, finish your food, come back outside when you're done, and then we will finish what we have started. Fifteen minutes later, I, I had finished eating. I walked out of the garage, across the driveway to our yard building, and I found my dad who had passed away, 18 years old. Had, had been doing church his entire life. I had been living faithfully my entire life. I'd never experienced trauma like this before. Sure, I had been around people who had passed away. That's a part of ministry. But it had never touched my life. 18 years old, on top of the world, everything was perfect. Life was moving in the direction we had always planned. And then, fast forward a few days, and that perfect life now felt like it was gone, like it was shattered, it was ruined, it was destroyed. And my mind raced. I was numb. I was broken. I didn't know what to do. I grew up overnight. You see, on October 9th, I woke up as a boy. Then on October 11th, I had to wake up as a man. It was just me and my mom now. Dad was gone. The church didn't have a pastor anymore. I was hurting. It didn't make sense. Everything was so confusing and so blurred. None of it, none of it made sense. But I remember so clearly in the middle of that confusion, 
in the middle of that pain and anguish, in the middle of feeling numb, I was leaned over the tub in the bathroom washing my hair, and the Lord spoke to me probably the clearest that He has ever spoken to me. And it wasn't something where the heavens opened and angels sang. It was simply God reminded me of one small verse in His Word. He reminded me of what Job said in Job chapter 13 and verse 15. Though He slay me, yet will I trust Him. To a lot of people, it it might not have made sense. To a lot of people, when I lost my dad, that's when I should have given up. That's the moment I should have thrown in the towel and quit and walked away. But I determined in myself, the Lord has given and the Lord has taken. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I have come to tell somebody in this church this morning, there is no situation, there is no trial or circumstance in life that will ever change the fact that God is good and that God is faithful and that God is just and merciful. God is good all the time. If you believe that, put your hands together all across this place. Why would God allow Job to go through what he went through? Why would God allow him to lose his family and his credibility, his health, his money? Maybe it's less of a why did God allow it and more of because God trusted him enough. You see, Satan's not the one who brought Job up. God was. Not because he was angry with Job. Not because he wanted to curse Job or hurt him. It was because he trusted Job. And there was never a moment in Job's trial that God was not present. He may not have been visible. Job may not have been able to feel him. But just because Job could not see or feel God does not change the fact that God was there every step of the way. And I have come into this place today to preach to you. It does not matter what hell you have found yourself in. God has been with you every step of the way. Though you can't see Him, though you can't feel Him, He is walking with you right now. He goes before you. He is faithful. It's why the psalmist could say, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed beg for bread. It's why one writer could say the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into and are safe. I may not understand His way, His thoughts. I may think that there is a better way. I may think there is a better plan. But He is God and I am not. He knew the outcome of my situation before the world was formed. He is a present help in the time of trouble. When it doesn't make sense when it hurts, when it feels like there's no hope, as long as there is breath in your body, there is hope. Though He slay me, yet will I trust Him, despite the hurt, despite what they said about me, despite the pain and the heartache, despite the loss, despite the anguish, despite the mental hell that I'm going through, He is faithful. And He is faithful to His people. In 2019, I was working at the church. It was a Tuesday morning. And I got a phone call uh, that I'm never going to forget. I got a call that morning that 
at about 6.57 a.m., one of my best friends was on her way to work, and she was killed in a head-on collision. The young man who hit her had a suspended license. He wasn't supposed to be on the road. He had worked a 12-hour shift the night before, fell asleep at the wheel, went left of center, and hit her head-on. Kate, if you'd put Caitlin's picture up on the screen. This is Caitlin Brake, one of the finest people I have ever met in my life. She was just wonderful. She was a prayer warrior. She had a heart for missions for people. She was in her master's program to be a counselor so that she could help people. That was the goal of her heart. That was the goal of her life was to be the face of Jesus Christ on this earth. Kate had this really funny thing that she would say that when something in your life does not go to plan, yell plot twist and give it to Jesus. And that's who she was. She was the best of us, as was said many, many times at her funeral. When I got the call, I couldn't believe it because surely this was some sort of sick joke. In my mind, there was no way she was gone because I had just seen her a few days earlier. Our hearts were shattered. We were all taken so far aback by Caitlin's loss. I remember, though, hearing a story from that morning when she passed. Her dad, Randy, got her brothers together and their mom, and they got in the living room, and Randy looked at his family. This father who had just lost his baby girl, who was taken far too soon, who had just had a birthday. Her birthday was just a few days before that. This man whose world has just been destroyed looks at his sons, looks at his wife and says, if we trust God in the good times, then we trust God in the bad times. In the middle of the worst day of their lives, they made a decision no matter what happened. Nothing changes the fact that God is good and God is faithful. And I wish there would be somebody in this church this morning that would get that in their spirit. No matter what happens, God is good. He is just. He is faithful. And I will serve Him no matter what comes in this life. He has been too good. Even if He never does anything else, that is enough. I may not agree with His plan, but I always trust His plan because He has proven Himself faithful. Come to tell somebody today, God has got you this morning. You're not alone. You're not going to die in your dilemma. Your life is not over. It may be dark. You may not be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel. You may be surrounded by your enemy. Hell may have enlarged herself and encamped herself all around you. But his situation is for his glory. One writer said, weeping may endure for a night. But joy comes in the morning. Job, I know it doesn't seem like it right now. But your joy is coming back. Your peace is coming back. I know you lost everything, but God never takes something without restoring it and adding on to it. It might not happen overnight. It might take 30 years. It might not happen on this side of heaven. But you just have to hold on. Because if God has taken, 
God will restore. As we stand all across this place this morning and the musicians make their way. How do I know He will restore it? How do I know in Job's situation that God is going to make everything right? Because Job was faithful in his affliction. Because he held on. Because he held his integrity and never sacrificed who he was. It never failed. As long as my dad was around until I was 18 years old from the time I was born until he passed when I was 18. Anytime I'd walk out of the house, whether it was to go to the gas station or go on a trip, my dad would make a statement to me that I plan on saying to my kids one of these days. He would stop me as I'm opening the door to my car and he'd say, Landon, remember who you are. I wish there would be somebody in this place this morning that would remember who you are. You are a child of the King. You are a son and a daughter. You are a royal priesthood. His own special people who He has called out of darkness into His marvelous light. And He's asking you to hold on just a little bit longer. So I'm going to do that today. I'm going to tie one more knot in the rope. And I'm going to pull myself up one more time. Because even though I wanted to die, even though I didn't want to live in my pain anymore, God was always right there. Even though Job's world was shattered, even though he cursed the day that he was born, he held on. He endured until the end. And do you know what happened at the end of Job's story? Because he held on, because he didn't give in to pressures of his family members who said, why don't you curse God and die? Because he didn't let his situation determine his outcome. The scripture says that Job was given and restored twice as much as he had before. 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, 1,000 donkeys, 10 children, 7 sons, 3 daughters. His body healed. He lived 140 years. He saw his family grow. He saw them prosper. And we find this small statement at the very last portion of what we read about Job. So Job died being old and full of days. What looked like it was going to kill him. What looked like the outcome was already determined. What looked like the end of the story was really just a stepping stone into his next chapter. And I've come to preach to somebody today. You might be in the middle of your trial. You might be in the middle of your circumstance. You might be hurting. Your world might be broken. You might not know what to do next. But if you will just hold on a little longer, God is going to restore that which has been taken. You might be one prayer away. You might be one walk to this altar away. You might be one fast away, one song away from everything in your life completely changing. God will never, ever, you take this to the bank, put more on you than what you can bear or what you can handle. 
the same way that God trusted Job. God trusts you. He's on your side. He will never leave you or forsake you. He will never walk out on you like they did. He will never break your heart. He will never abandon you. He will never hurt you. But He will go with you. He will strengthen you. He will heal you. He will comfort you. He will deliver you. And He will restore you. Just hold on. Hold on to that faith. Hold on to your integrity. Hold on to your character and remember who you are. It hurts right now, but it's going to change. It's hard right now, but it's going to change. Whether it be here or on the sunny banks of sweet deliverance, you're going to get that reward. Everything God has promised, you are going to receive. John wrote in Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 5, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And He will dwell with them and they shall be His people. And God Himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he sat upon the throne and said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, write these words, John, so my children can read them. For these words are true, and these words are faithful. Why are his words faithful? Because he is his word. I want you to know what you have need of is in this place today. I want you to know that you have what you need to make it through this storm because you shall live and not die. You can do it. may not feel like it. I'm sure there were plenty of moments in Job's test that he did not think he was going to make it to see the sunrise tomorrow. There were moments where he would have rathered had been dead, but Job never quit. And you don't have to quit this morning. You don't have to back down. There was a wise man who said, it's not about how hard you get hit, but it's about how hard you can get hit and get back up. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That is how winning is done. And if you're going through it this morning, if it feels like hell is on your doorstep, it feels like you're drowning, it feels like that storm is going to kill you, then I want to invite you this morning to this altar. This is my appeal. This is all I have. I don't have anything else to preach to you other than an altar where I promise if you will take a step of faith out of your pew, God will meet you at this altar. Heaven 
will meet you at this altar. So that right now, this is my invitation to you. If you've got something in your life that you need God to turn around, I wish you would come to this altar this morning and that you would give it to Him and that you would sacrifice before Him and dedicate yourself one more time. That you would make up in your mind, I'm going to get up one more time, Lord. I'm going to hold on. Even though it hurts, even though it doesn't make sense, even though they lied about me, even though my heart is shattered, I trust you and I'm going to hold on. Ladies and gentlemen, God trusts you. He trusts you. I'm asking you to trust Him this morning.